It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. And it is a great pleasure to welcome to our show Robert Houle. And uh, he is of Soto and Anishinaabe heritage from Sandy Bay First Nation. It's a pleasure to have him on the show to talk about an installation at the Art Gallery of Ontario, Red is Beautiful. Now, he grew up, as I say, in Sandy Bay, and uh, he attended residential school, but he went on to uh, uh, pursue extensive academic studies and become an internationally recognized artist. So it's a pleasure to have him here to talk about this installation, which is on, as I say, at the Art Gallery of Ontario. Uh, opened on December 3rd, and it runs until April 18th of 2022. Can you believe that, Robert? It's going to be 2022 in less than a month. Wow. And congratulations to you on all your success that you've had. And, and also, it's a great pleasure to have you here on the show. So welcome. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Now, I had the pleasure of going to see the uh, Red is Beautiful installation just a couple of days ago. And wow, uh, quite quite the exhibit, I have to say. And um, I, it just went on and on and I kept seeing more and more. And it was quite something to be able to uh, walk through the whole installation and see all this, the work you've done and read about the influences that you've had over the years as well. Um, this particular one that, that we are referring to with this installation, Red is Beautiful, um, I guess that goes back to a time when you were, you were looking at colors, weren't you? You were, you were studying colors and, and their spiritual, I think it was their spiritual in, influence or, or meaning? That's correct. What can you tell us about that? Well, it started when I was uh, at McGill mm-hmm. uh, in Montreal. Um, but I had already studied English, uh, English literature at the University of Manitoba, but then I got recruited to go to uh, McGill. But I started um, seriously studying color uh, at McGill. Mm. And also when I went to school in Salzburg in Austria, mm. and they were encouraged by my, by my own interests in other painters uh, that were interested in color. What is it about the spirituality of color that attracted you? What does that mean to you? First of all, I think to be more direct, it would be uh, the red, the red color. Mm. Um, and the other thing, what what happened is um, um, I began to not use uh, lamps or halogen lamps. In the end, I became really um, attached to working only under natural light. Mm. And I began to find out what a difference that made. Somehow, I found more spirituality in just using uh, daylight. Mm. So, in the, therefore, I never worked in uh, at night, mm. and I never uh, and I never use um, artificial light. It's just all natural light. How I learned, how I knew about that was uh, during the Oka crisis. <clears throat> I had a studio on 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 Queen Street here in Toronto. As a protest, I decided to uh, cover my four windows that face Queen Street, and it faced uh, the um, uh, Western light. So it's quite intense and quite beautiful. But what happened as a result of putting uh, uh, cur- uh, not curtains, but banners over them, I had no natural light. Yeah. So I ended up uh, going to New York 
that summer to to do a print. And I, I knew a, a, a printmaker in Ottawa, who uh, in New York, at, at uh, uh, I forget the name of the school now. He was, he's, and he was uh, Navajo. Mm. So it was it was great. That's how it all started. And <clears throat> I've always and I don't paint at night. Right. Yeah. There's no light. <laughs> yeah. That's quite fascinating when I think about you using only natural light and and like you say you covered the windows in your studio in Toronto there uh, uh, but how do you treat that light and i guess what i mean is for instance if it's a really bright sunny day would you uh-huh. would you have your your uh your canvas facing mm-hmm. the light so you you have the light directly on it how would you treat that it has to be diffused i would mm-hmm. never allow the direct sunlight mm-hmm. to to hit um to hit the canvas right. because because direct light would um, would um, uh, stretch the mm. canvas, and, and and that's quite uh, you don't need that. So no, but natural light coming, and then but away from direct yeah. light. Yeah. So would it, would then you have to uh, like you said diffuse it? Uh, would you would you put something over all, all the windows always in your room? I would just set it up yeah. so that. I, I, there's no direct light on 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 the yeah. canvas. Of course, I saw it happen one time, and but I, it was not my it was not my um, my tea or my coffee or whatever. You know, it just did not work. It was just too bright, and it also um, dominated the pigment. Mm. When I walked through the installation, I was really fascinated and wanted to try to spend as much time as I could looking at the 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 panels that you painted of these solid colors because I I really tried to uh, tried to understand what it was you were trying to say, what it was you were trying to feel, and also share with people around those those banners uh, and and those those uh, panels that you would paint. Yeah, I like your I like your question, and I would like. To answer it as much as I can. Sure. Um, I, yeah, uh, a long time before I became seriously a, an artist, mature artist. Let's say um, when I was in the, in the late seventies, I just simply refused to 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 paint. Uh, in other words, what I'm trying to say is, I never create at night. Mm. I never. As soon as the sun is gone, I. No, I won't even do a sketch. It's just not. Well, I think it's because of the way I was raised. You know, uh, there are certain spirits that make, uh, that dominate the, the, the night. Mm. And I was, I never wanted to, 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 to um, have any relationship with that. And, and it's probably because when I was young, I had a lot of nightmares. And, uh, but that was not based on light or anything. It was based on um, on uh, residential school. Uh, you you of course uh, incorporate uh, the residential school that you attended in uh, at least one of the the installation pieces that are that are in red is beautiful that I saw walking through there. Well, I wanted to create and talk to Wanda about it and the, and the staff that, mm. that, that created that room. Uh, the wainscoting is one example in the blackboard, you know, and, um, and the little paintings, and some of them are inserted into the wall. Um, 
it's based on uh, sitting in a classroom and with the wainscoting uh, on a, on the lower part of the wall. Mm. Uh, I wanted to I wanted to contextualize it that way. Mm. Uh, it was a residential school. Um, in a more elaborate way, we could have. I could have had those desks that were in in, in uh, being used at that time. But but I didn't want to make a real, total kind of literal um, uh, translation of a room. You know, uh, it's a gallery. It's a gallery mm-hmm. context. So you know, you don't have chairs in in a in a <laughs> studio, or I mean, in an art gallery. <laughs> And you walk, and that's basically the the, uh, the, the, the culture of an art gallery exhibition. I, that, because that's how uh, when I when I do when I did create the residential school drawings and the paintings, they're based on on that knowledge. You don't want to make a literal uh, uh, rendition of a room with with the actual desks and everything. But then, of course, you know, if you do that, then for, uh, it, it, um, uh, it's something else. And it's something that I thought of, but it's also something else I didn't want to do. Mm. I'm really glad you mentioned the wainscoting because I uh-huh. saw that. And, I uh-huh. f- and, and, you know, you could easily sort of not have your eye go there because you've got the, the, the other paintings above it that are along the wall that you're looking at. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it could just sort of be there as a background piece. But I looked at it and I went, okay, this is really important because it's wainscoting and it's set up and it looks like the, the wall that you would see somewhere in a building. And I was guessing that it might've been the residential school. And now the color that you chose for that, is that the same color that was in the school or, or on the wainscoting itself? No, okay. No. It was just an aesthetic decision at the moment, or at the, because of the shape of the gallery, and also meaning uh, the height of the ceilings. You know, so right. it has a different. It has different ambiance. Um, I had it exhibited in uh, in New York at the Museum of Art and Design, and it was not the same. But it had because it had company mm. of other other artists' work. So it varies. It's um, you know you have if you make installation work, you have to make it um, adaptable to to its to where it is going to be exhibited. Mm, yeah, physicality of the room. Uh, one of the other areas um, premises for self rule. Mm-hmm. Now, when I looked at that and walked through and, and looked at the four different sections that you had highlighted uh, specifically through different times, um, w- what I thought was really interesting and, and where, I, where, I, where my eye was going was, first of all, of course, was to the large panel that, that you painted and sits off to the left. And then you have, the, you have taken um, uh, uh, documents that you have uh, printed on the wall that are are about specific times and what was really interesting for me is you also have over top of that is this uh this picture of a group of indigenous people and mm-hmm. it's overlaid over top of the the writing and mm-hmm. what i thought was really interesting because it's a black and white photo and and i and I don't know if you you meant this, but it was like that was the last thing my eye went to, sort of. It was kind of like overlooked because of the power of the words and also because of the, the large print and, and painting that you had done to the left of that. And I, I was going to, wondering what 
what you were trying to say with that by having it black and white, you know, sort of subdued on top of the lettering. Mm -hmm. Well, it was, I forget the date on them, but I, but I know that uh, what I wanted to do, first of all, these beautiful, uh, they were uh, the images mm. of Native people. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was a series of photographs, uh, of images, photographs uh, done, I don't know when now, quite far back. It was done in Ottawa, Ministry of Agriculture or something. And it was of people, Blackfoot people in mm. Alberta. And these, these postcards uh, were a, a, a package of postcards, I use them all, um, were given to me by uh, when I visited um, Bay Hebershiel in Calgary. And we were in this antique store and I saw them and they were very expensive, so I couldn't buy them. But I knew what I, what, what I was going to do with them if I would have had the money. I would have tried a, another route. But So we come out and she said, I, I forgot something. So she went back in and I waited outside for summer and out she comes with this package of um, uh, postcards of some which are very very beautiful and um, the rest is I got home to Toronto and had them around for a long time and until I could figure a way until I had a studio and I had a lot of space I had a gal I had a studio just below uh, Aboriginal Voices on mm. Spadina <laughs> And uh, uh, so I, uh, I said, what am I going to do? Well, during that period, uh, there was always a notion of, of uh, making trajectories. And my, my trajectory, and, and also is slightly facetious, was, uh, I'll put the text on the wall directly on the wall, which is mm. and in some cases where galleries will not have their walls done that way, right. it's usually on plexiglass. Mm. Anyways, uh, I, and then I and then I subverted the the text, the legalese, because they're all legal documents. Right. And I, that's when that's where I would superimpose the the, the photograph mm. over them. And, and then I would, and then on on the uh, on the on the side I had a canvas, yes. same size, yep. and just and that would be just um, me painting mm-hmm. a color feel, as it were. Right. Yes. The, each one yeah, of those. Yeah, just a version of the text. <laughs> yes, and each one of those is about a, a treaty, right? That's the treaty. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now, of course, there is so much to see as you walk through there. Uh, so many things that that catch your eye, things that you've done with, uh, like the shapeshifter. I wanted to uh, I wanted to work with uh, shaman, because mm. um, um, I was raised. My family raised by with shaman. Shaman that gave names came. Shaman for healing. Shaman for for. for uh, um, bad dreams. There's one shaman, for example, it's a female, and she has her hand out. There's, I remember as a child, um, this, uh, as a young, a little older than a child, but I would see a, a shaman come and put the fingers, uh, and it was usually a female shaman, put her fingers without touching uh, the body mm. and, and healing and mm. taking the energy out mm. from, the, from the child my siblings and I wanted to um, and also after meeting uh, um, Morisot Norbert Morisot um, mm. 
he had a profound influence on on my um, later. More, I, I was mature already, and I knew and I knew that I came from, and I practiced uh, my uh, my shamanistic heritage mm. in Santa Bay. Mm. But Norvell introduced something that's quite a different thing, and I learned a lot about about color through him. But uh, and what was good about that this this color theory or this this color perception uh, or the spirituality of color. It, that came from Morris. I had. I was already a painting. Mm. I was already a painter uh, when I was a curator at the museum in Ottawa. I, I met him through his uh, through his dealer here in Toronto, and we became friends. And I learned a lot from him. And he was a shaman, and I knew that he was. You know, I had read about it, and when I met him, I could feel it. Mm. And he was very gentle with me, mm. as most shaman are. Here's another example about shaman. Uh, the, the two, the nice young couple that helped me uh, uh, create the sand painting, recreate the sand painting in uh, zero hour, the one with the laser. Mm. And they, I came in one day, about two or three days before the end, and we had to open the gallery. They had drawn, and they had made stem templates of shaman with the big smile, you know. And I looked at them and I said, no, no, no. They looked at me and they, they were kind of frazzled because, you know, they want to, they want to help me properly. Mm. They had done it the day before. I said, no, no, no. I said, shaman don't smile. <laughs> so it quickly changed that. So mm. um, that's just an example of, of some of the um, complexities, some of the... Uh, uh, negotiations that you do mm. with how far you want to go. Like, I will not use, like, um, warrior lenses with tamagaming, mm. these feathers. They're not, they're eagle feathers, but they're photographs of my eagle feathers that I use for mm. my own personal ceremony. Right. Yeah. That's, but that was more of, that was more of a, uh, of an, of a, assertion asserting that you know certain spiritual things i will not cross the line right right and that's one of the reasons why i left the museum as well you're listening to moment of truth on element fm my guest here on the show is robert Hool, and he is a soto anishinaabe artist from sandy bay first nation and uh, he has played a pivotal role in bringing a gap between a contemporary and indigenous art and the canadian art scene and it's a pleasure to have him here talking about an exhibit at the art, ja- art gallery of ontario that is running up until april 18th of 2022 which is just around the corner but uh, i strongly encourage you to uh, check it out uh, go to the AGO, you have, of course, uh, with uh, there are protocols in place because of COVID-19. But please uh, go and check that out. And it's a pleasure to have Robert here talking about his installation, Red is Beautiful. And you can find out more by going to the AGO online as well about that. Robert, I'd like to come back to Red is Beautiful and that particular painting. Mm-hmm. Because I believe right beside that painting in the exhibit... Uh, it's called a cryptogram, cryptogram number two. Cryptogram, yeah. And and when that's, I, sorry, go ahead. That's based on uh, on um, the first writer in the states. I forget his name right now. Uh, it's based on an, an exhibition that I had, my first exhibition here in Toronto at 
at the Pollock Gallery, Epigram mm. is what it's called in black. And uh, I've been I'd been reading about uh, uh, leaves of grass. Now you have to help me remember who that writer is, and his name is Walt Whitman. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, I cross cultures. I can be influenced by Delacroix. I can be influenced by Walter Walt Whitman, and but I also am uh, influenced and guided by by shaman and by healers. Mm. There is a painting. There is a portrait of a woman with her hands showing. Um, that's that's in reference to uh, how some women will heal. They won't touch the body, but they will they will mm. go very close on the body. Yep. And that's what that really refer- references. Mm. So that yeah, that's graphite on paper. That one, and yeah. I'm wondering, has anyone ever told you, or has anybody ever indicated when they look at that that it moves? Because <laughs> oh. when I looked at it. <laughs> and, it's probably optical. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I, I thought that was really interesting, and I thought, geez, that it, it looks like it's somehow moving somehow when I stare at it, and, and I thought thank that was really bringing, interesting. Thank you for bringing that up, but it never occurred to me. And and but it is a it is a process uh, other artists probably do. I I don't do that, mm. but but. You have to know also that in just somehow you construct a drawing or or, mm. or some kind of a design, it can be optical. Yes, and that happened a lot too, especially when the when the photograph is introduced into into giving that image with the quills. Oh That's, yeah, yeah, you know, right. Because of the three-dimensionality of a quill. And that where my sacred ge- geometry came from as well. Mm. Right. Quillwork. Um, I'd like to now uh, go to another one of the, uh, the pieces that is in the exhibit, Canada. Uh, oh, yes. And, um, of course, it's, it's quite large. It's uh, the three panels. Um, I guess it's uh, kind of like the, the French flag. And, mm-hmm. of course, you've got this, uh, it's, I believe, the death of, uh, of General Wolfe that is mm-hmm. being depicted. Mm-hmm. And of course, you have the indigenous man that uh, is within that uh, sort of uh, image. It's the only, he's the only character that has some color. What I really mm-hmm. thought was interesting, and I remember seeing this before, and, I, and it caught mm-hmm. my eye as well, because mm-hmm. you don't hear my you don't hear much about the Lenape or the Delaware people, but but it is a Delaware man in that image, and uh, and I want to thank you for that because that's my heritage, which is Lenape. So well, <laughs> it's I'm nice glad to hear that. Yeah, I finally meet uh, a contemporary artist <laughs> from that from that area. Yeah, he was a uh, what's the name of a a, um, uh, a Protestant group? Uh, they. Um, uh, West was of that faith as well, and so were the Delaware. Mm. So they became friends. Mm. You know, as a, um, there's a book called Viol- uh, Valiant Hero. It gets into detail about that, but I forget. <laughs> mm. Okay. Well, of course, that's a very striking uh, image uh, as as one of the pieces that are in there. I made some trajectories and changes on that. There's a woman that I placed in that because they were all men. Mm. And I also oh, yeah. put in, uh, in, in, in one corner um, on the uh, left side or on the right when you're facing it, yes. uh, a native man in a canoe. 
Yes. Got away from the scene of the crime. Yep, I saw, <laughs> I saw that. Yep. You saw that. Then. I, I did. I looked very closely when I was there because I wanted to say, oh, what did he do? What did he change? What did he add? Oh. What are the little little subtle things in there? So I did yeah. try. I looked very carefully, uh, and I did see him uh, paddling away, like, uh, <laughs> and, and and sort of like not paying attention, you know, at all. Like it was had no yeah. impact yeah. on him. So, so my two interjections and in, in that you know, historical painting. Mm. Yes, yes. Now, uh, there is, like I say, there is so much in there to see and to explore. It, it's it's quite something. I want to mm. come back to another image, and, and it's a section, I believe, that starts an area. Grandmother, the, the drum, which I thought was very beautiful. Oh, uh, is that in a part of an installation? Yep. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, it's owned by uh, um, uh, an elderly, an elder in, um, in Ottawa. Mm -hmm. And it's, I had a drum and they, Wanda wanted to exhibit it, but I had hung it in the wrong place. So it started to crack, but it's closing again now because I moved it from there. So I landed up borrowing this painting of the drum from, mm. uh, from her. And uh, uh, again, it's just really healing. It's a, uh, a, a spiritual object rather than a, a medicine, medicinal object. And I'm not a drummer. I regret that because I my uh, my usage, my inspiration from that would, would have been quite different if I was a drummer. But I'm not. I'm a painter. Mm. And, uh, um, yeah, I, I, I'm very proud of that. And I'm very proud of the next panel next to it, the cathedra. Mm. Uh, these are little pieces of uh, wood that I put on the floor right. uh, so that my paintings don't... Um, 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 don't um, collect a residue of paint. Mm. It's not good. And also to protect uh, the floor. And that's what uh, the other one is. And that's what those little sticks are, but it's called uh, cathedral. Cathedral. And above that is a quote by our first prime minister. Oh, yes. It, it really hurt. It, yeah. But I had to put it there. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and it, but it's also most appropriate at this moment. You know? Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I strongly encourage people to go and check out the uh, Red is Beautiful exhibit on at the AGO, as I say, and that is uh, going to be running until uh, April of eighteenth of twenty twenty two. And uh, <laughs> Robert, there's so many more things we could talk about. It's been fascinating having you here on the show to do exactly that. Talk about your work. Congratulations to you on all your success and, and for all the great work that you've brought forward uh, uh, that you have over your career. And I want to thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join us on the show and talk about it. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And I feel privileged. Well, I do too. Chimigwech, Nyawagoa, and Wanishi for taking the time to join us on the show. Miigwech, Kenyan. Me too. That is Robert Houle. It has been such a pleasure speaking with him here on the show, Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. Check out the exhibit, Red is Beautiful, on at the Art Gallery of Ontario, in running until April 18th of 2022. You will not be disappointed. That's this portion of our show. Please stay tuned. We'll be back with more right after these messages. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. 
Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. Well, it's a really great pleasure to have my next guest on the show. But before I introduce her, I want to tell you something about the uh, performance that she will be taking part in. It's Ross Petty's production of Alice in Winterland, and it's a virtual family holiday musical, and it's on from December 18th and 19th of this year. And uh, this is the second year for the, the holiday panto that goes virtual with a brand new production, Alice in Winterland. Double the fun because uh, this year pretty cool you can choose your own adventure for an interactive one-of-a-kind theatrical experience hmm interesting now ali the proprietor of ali's shroom room is an artisanal mushroom shop on the other side of the rabbit hole in wonderland now the same day that ali is planning her big store opening the evil ice witch frostina and her long-suffering architect Elgor show up to ruin everything, but Frostina declares herself the villain of Wonderland and sets her plan in motion to turn Wonderland into a sub-zero wasteland known forthwith as Winterland. Ooh, it sounds enticing, and it's <laughs> a pleasure to have um, the person who is playing Allie uh, in the show, Kimberly Ann Prong. And uh, you may know her from Miss Saigon on Broadway, Columbia, in Rocky Horror Picture Show at Stratford Festival. And she is making her panto debut as Allie. So it's a pleasure to have uh, her here with us. Kimberly, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much. It's nice to be here. You know, it was a lot of fun just introducing that because of that. Yeah, mouthful. <laughs> Not only mouthful, but just the setup of it and it being interactive. So um, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. So people can actually help create how this is going to unfold as it goes forward. Exactly. So it's kind of makes up for the fact that, you know, pantos are very interactive when they're live in the theater. And so uh, this time the kids or any audience member mm. gets to kind of choose my journey and choose my fate in the show. It's very much like a video game, which really drew me into the project. Mm. And I think that it's going to be a really fun time for families to, you know, get a chance to you know, have like a, almost like a game with each other and and see where I go and have all these different kinds of endings if they want to go back and um, choose different adventures and meet different people in the show. Yeah, that does sound pretty cool. And it sounds like a lot of fun for the, the actors as well. Oh, yeah, it was definitely a lot of fun. Um, I'm in love with every character that you meet along the way. So I really do hope that uh, people go back and uh, go meet the people that they missed mm. or see the endings that they mm. may not have um, even like thought of. Mm. Uh, it was a lot of fun for us to try and make this as real and interactive and live as possible. Yeah, and and uh, and it also the costumes look great too. Yeah, Ming Wong did a, an amazing job. It's very outrageous um, and colorful. The whole set is really, mm. really colorful. And when I say set, of course, I mean you know the green screen developments yeah. that went on, and uh, it's it's really brilliantly done and. Um, almost like, like I've been saying, it's it's what you would love for a theater production that had zero budget because mm. we just got to create this 
beautiful um, multi-dimensional world for the kids so it's going to be very bright and cheerful and just what you need for the holidays <laughs> it sounds great like a lot of fun listen i want to yeah. go back to to you for a moment because i know you're a, a a graduate from sheridan college i am yeah yeah but you grew up uh, in prince albert uh, well no, prince, prince rupert, rupert in british columbia yeah. and then you, you came yeah. east and you spent a, a summer around the toronto area uh, exploring dance, I think, and, and movement and things? Yeah, I um, I grew up on the northwest coast of British Columbia <laughs> um, in a town not a lot of people know, but if you do, then you, you love it and you know it, uh, Prince Rupert. <laughs> and I grew up dancing. I've been dancing my whole life since I was four years old. And there was just a year before I was graduating uh, high school that I wanted to explore other realms of the arts, Um so I went off and uh, learned musical theater. I, 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 I took a camp and from there I discovered that you could actually get a degree in doing what you love, <laughs> which I didn't know. So it was very exciting for me and I'm very appreciative of the people that led me toward that direction and my family for supporting me. So yeah, I went to Sheridan college. I was the first year of the degree program there for musical theater. And from there, I, uh, I've been working at the Stratford festival and on Broadway. So very blessed and very lucky that I get to do what I love. <laughs> but I don't think that that was always the case. At one point in your life, you didn't think it was going to happen for you because you thought you, you might be discovered when you were about 15 or 16, right? And wanted to be a pop <laughs> yeah, star. Yeah, <laughs> I was on. Um, I've always wanted to be. I mean, a lot of things. A movie star, a pop star, like all the things. When you get to know me, you'll know all those things. But there was one point where I was uh, on. There was a TV show that was very much like um, The Voice or American mm. Idol, but it was for teens. And I did that. And sadly, I was not discovered on there. But I had a blast. <laughs> Um, learning experiences and after that I just I was like cool I did the thing um, I went for it but I've always been a very academic human and so I thought after high school I would um, go and pursue my law career I've always wanted to be a lawyer uh, I have been saying that since it's laughable I've been like since I was five my mom said and it never changed mm. like since I was a little girl I was like I'm gonna be a lawyer <laughs> and but my my beautiful family uh, encouraged me to go into the arts and go to Sheridan because they were like, you can do all the other stuff later. Like this is like, let's let's live in the moment now. You have a talent. They always really believed in me. Um, they always saw, you know, that spark in me since I was a little girl and supported me through that. And I think it's because um, I have three older brothers and mm. um, none of them pursued anything like artistic, really. They're all very smart, professional humans. And so I think they're living vicariously through me. And my <laughs> mom was always a dance mom, like a stage mom. And she still is. She's so stagey. <laughs> so she was really excited that everyone was supporting me through this. And yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that they pushed me to go to Sheridan. That 
that in itself sounds a little surprising to me because usually what you hear is, uh, or used to hear anyway, um, you know, parents would say, why do you want to go into the arts? You want to get a real job, right? You want to Absolutely. follow that dream into the, and be a lawyer. Uh, which, so that's, that's really interesting that they uh, p- pursued to push you into that area, which is great. Congratulations to you and them for, for that. Thank you so much. Now, the other thing I want to ask about, though, is what what's the attraction for you for law? Uh, I've always been um, very, you know, uh, like literature is just so important to me. Mm-hmm. I've always been a writer. I've always been a public speaker. Like I used to compete provincially in public speaking and and writing competitions. Mm. Um, So I was just always obsessed with language and um, all of that. And I think the idea of me helping people as well as getting that like love I have of words Mm. into a profession. I'm also very, um, I come from like a academic organized kind of, you know, Family environment, yes. Yeah, like very, very much like law just seemed like something that was going to be almost easy for me. And <laughs> and if you ask any of my family, they were like, you you know, my brother's a lawyer and he was like, you would have done like even better than I've done. And we always knew that that could have been a very easy path for you, but mm-hmm. I've never really taken the easy road. <laughs> I'm a bit of a daredevil, so... It uh, it would have definitely been like the easy choice for me not to say anything about, mm. you know, lawyers and people who pursue that career. But it just wasn't mm. um, it just wasn't the path that would have kind of expanded my horizons. And um, artistically, I don't know if it would have fulfilled me, but uh, the idea of all the writing and the reading and, and even going to court and um, standing up for people and and you know, that has always, and still you can probably hear in my voice, it still excites me, but, and I love watching, like, I'd love, maybe I'll play a lawyer on TV and that'll be it. (laughs) I'm sure that will come up at some point in the future. But uh, what you you made me think about, as you were saying that about both law and because you've studied the theater, uh, I studied theater at York University. And I remember once I was, uh, I, I lived on campus at the time. And I was uh, I was working at the uh, at the door uh, one night, um, and somebody came in to visit with someone in the residence, and we were waiting for them to come down and get them. And they were a lawyer, or they were studying law, and so we just started talking. And, uh, and they said, "Well, what are you studying?" And I said, "Theater." I, and he said, "You know what? My roommate." is in theater. He said, I thought lawyers worked hard. I thought we worked hard in in studying law. He said, I can't believe how hard you guys work in theater. So, you know, if people think it's a bird course or it's easy to go through theater and do that kind of thing, it isn't. It's a a lot of hard, hard work. Oh, yeah. No, I give my family a heart attack every day. They they can't believe how, um, you know, I have to be ready to move and pick up my life and you know, mm. do that sort of thing, but also the business of it, the, mm. the amount of times I've gone to my brother, um, telling him about the business of it and him trying to help me. He's just like, this is mind blowing that you are your own business mm-hmm. as an artist, yep. especially in theater. And you do come across a lot of, um, the same materials and the same, you know, you've got to use your brain the way a lawyer would just to get you, 
ahead or even survive in the industry. I consider myself a businesswoman, of course, because uh, every decision you make, every show you take, every contract you have to deal with, and then moving forward in, you know, the public eye is very much what you would. So it just, it, it, it's almost like I fulfilled both <laughs> yeah, parts of my soul in, in this thing, but it's very tough. And um, I would never, I would never say it's, it's easy. It's just, mm. is it, worth it for you to take the risk to do what you love or not and you've got to be you've got to be pretty brave and bold (laughs) and if it's a passion and you're doing what you're passionate about it really doesn't seem like work does it absolutely now i i think that's really interesting though what you said about that practical or business side of the entertainment world because I think a lot of people focus on the performance and focus on the, you know, that out front part, uh, the entertainment side of things. But there is a real business side to it. So but you also studied business, didn't you at Sheridan? You you have a business. Um, There is a part of the program that um, I'm not sure how new or how old this Mm -hmm. section was, but there was a business course in it. but no, I, I minored in, you get to kind of choose right where you yep. minor and stuff. And I, 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 I chose philosophy. Um, mm. But there is a business course that kind of tries to show you the ropes in terms of accounting, because it's very different for artists with, sure. with, with, with that and um, how to get your name out there, how to create your, it's almost like brand creating, really. It's, it's very, yeah, business based. So, and I'm, to tell you the truth, like a lot of what I do, yes, we perform you know, eight shows a week when we're mm. in theater on a regular basis. But in between that, in between all of those hours is me on my computer and me talking to business people and me having to reply to all these emails and mm. me trying to, you know, expand my brand, which is me and um, do interviews like this mm. and mm-hmm. all of that. So it's, yeah, it's a busy, busy life. <laughs> Thank you for that. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. This is Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. My guest on the show is Kimberly Antong, and we are talking to her about Alice in Winterland. Well, we were talking to her about that. Then we got sidetracked to talk about the business of, of <laughs> entertainment and what she's been involved with uh, as a graduate of Sheridan College. We're going to get back to Alice in Winterland, which is Ross Petty Productions, and it's going to be uh, from December 18th and 19th. It's a virtual family holiday musical so you can find out about that online and uh, it's it's pretty cool because it's an interactive uh, process that's going to be happening this year so um, uh, Kimberly Ann is playing uh, Allie and she is the proprietor of Allie's Shroom Room and uh, it's about her episodes as they go through this and so people that are are watching get to participate they get to uh, direct uh, Allie in some of the things that she's going to be doing some of the choices that she's going to be making throughout uh, the performance it sounds pretty cool it also sounds uh, Allie like you're going to be there with some other really uh, great actors that are filling uh, the other roles that are that are participating in this as well. You want to tell us some more about that that side of it? Yeah, of course. Um, I've been lucky enough to work with these actors before. They're very dear friends of mine. Um, my sidekick mm. uh, is in most of Ross Petty's pantos, you'll see Plum Bum, mm. and it's played by <laughs> Mr. Dan Shamroy, who's awesome. And this role has just been perfected by him throughout the years. I got to work with Dan, of course, in the Rocky Horror Show as well, at Stratford Festival. 
And so you'll have a lot of fun <laughs> with the uh, dynamic of me, Allie, and um, Plumbum, the beautiful Plumbum. Um, Plumbum's a very awesome comedic loud outrageous bright colorful character mm. who sometimes gets me in trouble but also <laughs> um will ground me when i really need to be grounded because everyone needs that best friend uh we'll also meet some of the um very famous characters that uh kids and adults will all know from alice in wonderland like the original so we've got the mad hatter mm. we've got um um, the chess, uh, chess Pfizer Pfizer cat cat. is what we call it in <laughs> a nod to what's yeah, yeah. Been going on in the world, as you'll see yeah. uh, in the pantos that happens a lot. So, um, yeah, so you'll see a lot of those uh, title characters in the show, depending on which route you take me on. Mm-hmm. So you'll see some familiar faces from the fairy tale that you know, and then also some brand new faces. Uh, these are played by... Um, Haley Lewis, who's also uh, one of my dearest friends from other contracts as well. She also went to Sheridan College. Mm-hmm. Um, and Alex Wiersbicki, who's uh, a lot of kids will know him from YTV. He's a host on there. So awesome talent. And SJ, Sarah Jean Hosey, mm-hmm. who plays Frostina, who the kids will hate and boo, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Eddie Glenn, who is, you know, famous and Canadian theater for his outrageous, funny, uh, comedic acting. So he's going to be in there too. So we've got this incredible cast. Tom Allison's making, I, I would like to say it's a celebrity like guest star um, appearance because Tom Allison is Canadian gold. Um, yeah. So he's, he's playing the chess visor cat, which is incredible. That sounds wonderful. Was there one part of this process and, and working through this that sticks out to you that uh, that you enjoyed the most? I enjoyed how fast-paced this was. Mm. Uh, it wasn't like a normal experience in terms of a theater contract at all, mm. which I just really love because I also work in TV and film a lot. And I like to just dive in both feet full body actually um, into everything I do. So this kind of forced us all to do that. We had a very short amount of time and we really wanted to bring this new virtual interactive experience to life. So it was, it was new for all of us and we all worked together to make it happen um, to bring the theater world and the virtual world um, and the panto world. Like these are all very separate things on their Mm -hmm. own. Mm -hmm. So I think it's going to be the first of its kind really to ever happen. So we were all new to it, even though this was my, like I was debuting in the Ross Petty Panto. Mm -hmm. um, If I feel like the other actors will also tell anyone that it felt new for them as well to Mm. work with, you know, green screens and also play as if we were in the theater with everyone, because it is a, you know, it is a theatrical piece. Um, So yeah, I loved how quickly we had to work on our toes. Um, I think that's a testament to, you know, the actors that are hired. We're all, you know, very used to, just diving in and we're all comedic actors as well. Mm. So to just like riff off of each other, you know, if, right. if something happened on the fly, that's kind yeah. of how yeah. pantos work too. Yeah, yeah. You never know what's going to happen. Right. So it was fun that it was all happening to us, to each other, <laughs> that we were like, what's going to happen today? We just got to do it. Like we got to get this out because we really wanted to 
get this out in time for mm. our families to enjoy for the holidays. Right. That sounds like a lot of fun, of course. And uh, I'm sure everybody is going to enjoy this. It sounds like, uh, yeah, and, and great that you're, like you said, it's your debut in this. So congratulations. Um, Thank you. As you were talking there, much like throughout COVID and how things have changed, um, like we're sitting here doing this, which perhaps pre-COVID, we wouldn't have been doing it this way. You might have come into our radio station or we, you know, there might have been we going to the theater and doing it that way. Something might have been different about that. But exactly, this is one of the things that has now changed. And as I talk to more and more people, I see that since COVID and there's more of this online uh, process, uh, virtual kind of engagements that are happening. Do you see that going forward? Do you see somehow changes that might might go reverse and what i mean by that is uh taking it from the going back into live performance including more of a virtual presence or something like that i do i think it's beneficial i don't think that like my point of view has always been to move with technology we have to Mm. we're all growing we're all moving forward there are growing pains but that's how we get better and this was such a huge like just almost smack in the face as to what is possible Mm. of course i'm not saying live theater will disappear i don't think that's the point at Mm. all i think that if we can just be smart and merge um and use technology to our benefit and to create this whole new sort of theatrical experience. um, I think the world would be better for it because then we're here to storytell. And I found that through the, you know, there, there are certain, there are certain limits to what you can do in a theater with not just budget, but just with the physical nature of having the actual set and the costumes and everything like that. With doing this virtually, there were almost no limits to what mm. we could do. Mm. And that's exciting to me mm. because that's how I want to storytell. I want to make it as real as possible for people so that they understand the heart of the story. They understand, you know, now like with, with how we did the panto, I think the kids, because we put them, we set them up in this beautiful wonderland, mm. they get to listen to me more mm. and they get to learn the lesson more and they get to relate <laughs> to the characters more because it's so real. It's like, they're going to be in a video game. I keep yeah. saying yeah, like, yeah. so then I can story tell more and I don't have to worry about what's going on in say a live theater experience. Um, so I'm hoping personally that I see more virtual aspects in theater. We're already seeing it in some shows on Broadway, you know, things like, um, um, let's say even Darren Hansen, there's a lot of virtual aspects to that, but I've been to some theater shows in New York Mm. where a lot of the set was virtual and that Mm. was so engaging and (laughs) magical to me. I was like, Oh my gosh. Mm. Um, So I think the the possibilities are endless. I would hope that a lot of more producers and directors are really open to the idea of welcoming technology Um, because live theater will always, will always live on. Like, will always want to do it there's nothing like it so yeah i think it was really cool to kind of be the first ones to 
really try this new way of doing things and yeah. interactive like yeah, the yeah. whole yeah, yeah. you getting to choose your adventure that <laughs> never happens like right. when do you give the when do you, do you as an audience member get to control the story it's, right. It was unreal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds like one of the things that, and maybe one of the biggest things that people can participate and take out of this. Is there something else that comes to mind for you that you think audience members or people that are going to be attending and, and, and participating should watch for or, or pay attention to throughout this uh, that that uh, you, you feel particularly excited about? Um, I think... In like a big picture, just how relatable this story is, mm. uh, this particular panto. It's uh, very modern. Like she is not your Alice that you think okay. of when you think Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> yeah. And I think to embrace that and see, yeah. um, you know, I'm playing I'm playing Alice in her 20s. Like I'm playing yeah. me. Right. So to see... Um, that this isn't just for the kids, it's for the adults too, because mm. I mean, I know that I've been through a heck of a lot the last couple of years and I've had to sit with myself and uh, rediscover slash discover who I am. Mm. And so when they came with me, came to me with this script, it's kind of that it's, it's Alice trying not to run away from her past and that story that we all know of mm. Alice in Wonderland. Like, mm -hmm. and you know, she's kind of traumatized from all that. So she was trying to escape, but to, accept it and embrace it like how we need to accept what happened in the past in our old world yeah. and like i said move forward together with right. technology with um sitting with ourselves and finding ourselves with everything so um i think to just yeah enjoy the ride um have fun with it right. uh, and yeah i'm excited for everyone to to see it. Well, I think that it, partly when you said it was for adults, I, I got that when I was reading this the introduction about this is a shroom room. Uh, it's a mushroom <laughs> shop, so I was going, okay. <laughs> oh, and there are a lot of a lot of jokes in there right. for specifically the right. parents or right. guardians, whoever's watching. Like we make sure that everyone's going to have a hoot. <laughs> yeah, right. It sounds great. Congratulations, and uh, I look forward to seeing this. And congratulations to you with all the, the success that you've had and uh, and continue it in the future. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you, and I want to thank you for taking the time to join us on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. All right, you take care. Have a great 2022. It's just around the corner. Can you believe it? Yeah. 2022. Wow. So excited. All right, take care. And that is Kimberly Ann Tong. She is playing the role of Allie in Alice in Winterland, and that is coming up as a Ross Petty production from December 18th and 19th of this year, which is coming up to the end of very quickly. 2021 is almost at the end. 2022, just around the corner, a brand new year with some brand new things coming. So check it out, Ross Petty Productions online. It's a virtual family holiday musical from December 18th to 19th. You can go online to check that out at rosspetty.com. And that is our show for today. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, David Moses. We'll see you again tomorrow right here on Moment of Truth. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.